As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. All right, welcome to the latest edition of Hear That Podcast, Growlin, Paul Jr. Jr. and Jay Morrison of The Athletic are excited to be with you as we start the real training camp. It's really starting now, Jay. Pads yep. on full go Tuesday. Um, we're recording this here for you Monday morning, so we've kind of got uh, the first week in the books. How are we doing? Doing well. Looking forward to this week and seeing... Some uh, quote unquote real football with with the pads. It's a shame we don't get the Oklahoma drill anymore. But uh, it's, <laughs> it's for us, it's, not it's, them. I'm sure they're not. <laughs> oh, I'm I bet sure there's a few are. of those guys that love that. Yeah, those are the good old days, man. That's a yeah. that's the flashback. I mean, we we used to we we'd have you know one on the ground, one on the bridge. Everyone trying to judge who won at Oklahoma. I mean, we that was like the centerpiece of camp coverage. We I, we would write like. We would write like a thousand words on it with every single individual battle charted, you know, and trying to judge winners and losers when it was just, you know, it was just trying to get people to knock heads a little bit, you know, but it was like, it was like the re- that was always the real start of training camp. Uh, no more, uh, no more anywhere anymore. I remember one year, I think it was, it was the hard knocks year, as a matter of fact. And uh, it was, I believe there was a big controversy where I think Jermaine Gresham jumped the jumped the gun and uh, it ended up being a being a thing. There was actually a, a scrum afterwards. Uh, Marvin was almost caught right in the middle of it where a little bit of pushing and shoving and it, it got intense. And that was it was really fun to watch. I remember standing on the bridge with Joe Reedy and, you know, trying to track every single matchup and then judging, like you said, who won it, who lost it. Was it a draw? Uh, spent way too much time on it. But I, I think fans enjoyed enjoyed it and I, we certainly enjoyed it and it, it it has unfortunately like so many other things gone gone the way of the cba but it'll it'll still be their their intensity is still really going to ramp up on tuesday when they put the pads on yeah i mean uh, what, what you'll see happen is all eyes will now shift f- as they have 
you know, for so long watching the receivers and the DBs to, okay, now we're going to go watch the trenches, which is to me where this camp becomes important. You know, I mean, this is where their weakness lies. This is been the issue that they you need to see improvement you need to see them look like they have answers in there and um you know to this point there's it's it's really hard to judge that um but so the real questions about this team do start to get answered this week but we have some plenty of answers uh, on things that happened last week we'll talk about that and we'll preview this week a little bit more we're just going to kind of use this uh as an opportunity for us to give you some eyes and ears of course they had the uh they had back together Saturday, uh, which was everyone's favorite thing, which is the NFL manufacturing something to try to turn it into a marketing event. Good for them. Uh, but Bengals fans uh, out in full force, man. It was uh, lines around the stadium, just packing them in. It was a heck of a scene. You were there. I, I, I have to say, full disclosure, I was not. I had the back-to-back wedding weekend. And so maybe if I, if I you hear my voice perfectly crack trying to say that, uh, Congratulations to my, my my cousin Jill and to one of my really good friends Zach, uh, Zach and Autumn, Jill and Will. Congratulations to you I, and thank you for all the drinks. I'm gonna power through them though uh, this morning. So you had to sing "Achy Breaky Heart" twice this weekend. <laughs> uh, my 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 good buddy Zach, man, he had a very extensive do not playlist uh, at his wedding. So "Achy Breaky" did not. Uh, did not make it in but no um, the the i mean it was an impressive turnout at on saturday for the for the um what they used to call family day back together saturday this time i, I think it caught everybody by surprise uh, that's why you saw those huge lines and that's why we don't have an official attendance count because it was so backed up they just opened the gates and let people come in and they weren't going through the turnstiles they weren't able to count them Heard estimates at close to 15,000. I went back and looked in 2019 uh, when they had this family day uh, and they did do an official count. It was 7,100. So almost double that this year. Um, I couldn't leave. I Normally after a game, obviously there's 60,000 there, but we're writing and it's hours after the game before we leave and you don't have to worry about it. I walked out to my car and I'm like, I'm not going anywhere. My lot was totally backed up. Central Avenue was completely backed up. So I walked up to the banks, and if you saw a guy walking around the door, I hate drinking a beer. That was me, because I just went and got a beer and did a lap around the door and waited out the traffic and then drove home. It was it was an impressive showing. Well, and, you know, it's there's really no other chance to see them, right? I mean, this was it, yeah. and there's no open practices, and a lot of teams have done that. They have open practices um, to fans fully. Bengals did not do that. They're going to have a couple of days that are going to be – but they're more for a uh, select, you know, limited group of people to come out to the practice fields uh, next weekend. But for the most part, this is it. And so until the team plays the Dolphins in the preseason for the, the third game. So this was the chance to go out there. So I'm not surprised there was a massive uh, amount of people. It makes sense. And it's pretty much the only chance to come see them. But yeah, fan, fans, I think some of the excitement that has circulated um, you know, through over, you hear it over the airwaves or on social or just talking to people. I think that it was evident in how many people um, came out on Saturday. As for what's gone down, let's uh, we're just going to kind of dive through. Jay has risers and fallers up, which is kind of recapping who's helped themselves and who has hurt themselves through the first week. Uh, you can go check that out now. Our 50% off subscription deal is still going. Uh, so any, any links of any of the stories, um, 
that Jay and I wrote, or you see linked on Twitter right there, you can get 50% off for the year. Great deal going on limited time. So get in on that soon. Um, you kind of, you know, you detail those and I, and I think it's, it's a good synopsis of some of the stuff that's happened. Um, who, who was your, you know, the first name off your head? I don't know if you listed them in order, uh, but I'm curious who the first name was off the top of your head when you thought about when you started putting together that story. Yeah, it was Trent Taylor, and he is the first one I listed. I think I think anybody that's watched any practices would would put him there. He has he has really been impressive, and it, it it's a lot like Alex Erickson. I know people like to bang on Alex Erickson. He had some fumbles on punt returns, and but it, when you watched him in practice, and even sometimes he just made plays. They he just found a way to make plays, and that's the way Trent Taylor has been. And we haven't really seen him do the, the preseason games. Where we'll really see what he can do uh, in the punt return game. They did field some punts on on Saturday, and um, Puka looked Puka Williams, who's trying to win that job, looked a little unsteady, you know, tracking the ball in the air. Uh, but Trent Taylor, he's got experience doing that. I, I wouldn't worry about him at all as a punt return. It's a, it's a matter of whether he can fit on this roster as a backup slot receiver and, and make plays when called upon. And all we've seen so far is that yes, he can. He's, he's caught balls from, from Joe Burrow. He had a touchdown from Brandon Allen on Saturday. He had a touchdown from Kyle Shermer on, um, Friday. He's just every time he's in there, he's figuring out a way to make make plays happen. And he had, it wasn't just the touchdown in the red zone from Brandon Allen. He had a play. It was one of the few deep balls that we've seen. And it wasn't, it wasn't a, a, a super deep ball, but it, it probably would have been in that over 20 range um, where he had beat the defender and, and Burrow under through him and Trent Taylor backpedaling reached down and, and caught the ball off of his shoestrings. Um, just every time he gets a chance, he makes something happen. Yeah, I'd agree. I mean, I think that's, what you would expect from somebody early in camp who's a vet. I mean, and this was part of the conversation that, you know, Zach Taylor had sort of talking about the first week is you're seeing a lot of these guys that have played a lot of football show up early in camp because they just pick up where they left off, which takes me to where I would have started more so. And not that you didn't, but, you know, there's so many different guys on the defense I think you could look at because – the defense has outplayed the offense to this point for the most part. Um, you know, I would point to Trey Waynes. Um, I, I can't now, I mean, I can't think this is off the top of my head of a single time I felt like, oh, Trey Waynes just got beat like once. And I can think of, I thought the best play of camp thus far, uh, or at least most fun. I tweeted this out the other day, it came Friday. Uh, it was kind of an it was red zone, a red zone extended maybe, um, but Burrow just kind of got Higgins one-on-one running down the sideline in the end zone and threw kind of a high rope up to him to go get it. And Higgins almost did it. It was, I mean, T. Higgins, <laughs> we can talk in a second about how he looks uh, physically and the way he's playing, goes high up. And was about to grab it, and Wayne's just in position. Great play, great technique, knocks it free. Two really great players going at it, and that was kind of a, what a fun play that was. Was the first thing I thought, and then I thought, man, a really nice play by Wayne's. And then I was like, I really have not. He's done a great job of not being somebody you think about so often in camp. Mm-hmm. So often in camp, it's like, oh, there's that guy getting burnt again, and it's kind of unfair sometimes because. 
they end up in a lot of <laughs> seven on sevens and things like that. There's no pass rush and guys get quote unquote burnt. But I mean, I can't even hardly think of that. And so I feel like for a guy that hasn't played in a long time, uh, spent all year last year uh, on the sidelines due to the pectoral injury. Um, good start for Trey Waynes. Yeah, I agree. And I didn't include him in my risers because I, I kind of took a different tact where, you know, he's he's already entrenched as a starter. And it was more like guys that are kind of, you know, improving their stock. And for he's sure. al- he's already a uh, a starter, but you're right. He has been really impressive and he did get beat on Saturday. Uh, Jamar chase got behind him on a deep ball and burrow overthrew it. That was one of the, one of the few deep ones that he threw, but that's been so rare. Um, and it's really all those DBs. They are, it's, it's been really good coverage. They've, there's been a lot of PBUs. Um, we'll see what it looks like when the pads go on and, and it, the, the receivers can get a little more physical with those guys. But yeah, that it, Trey Waynes is a guy that you wonder about having that that whole year off. And, and going back to what you said, what Zach said, that these guys that that have been playing just kind of jump right back in. This is it, it's been a long layoff for him. And um, it, it is encouraging to see how well he's playing right out of the gate. The theme early has been defense. Yes, for sure. You know, the theme all offseason was us talking about offense. And uh, I think it was kind of fitting that the defense sort of said, hey, don't forget about us this first week. Because let's be honest, I mean, I, now I still have Friday fresh in my head, having uh, not been at Saturday's practice. But it's one of the worst offensive days I've seen in a long time. <laughs> I mean, they could do nothing. And there's in camp, it always got cuts both ways, right? I mean, it's a day when the offense stinks is a day when the offense is, or the defense is great. And so there's there's optimism to that side, and the early in camp you see that a lot. Zach Taylor talked about that a little bit uh, on Saturday. Of look, early in camp there is some of that where the defense typically is ahead, especially when you have a bunch of guys that have played before, particularly in your secondary. Um, that shows up, and it has showed up. Uh, but coverage has just been consistently tight. It's been really tough to make plays. And balls have just kind of been hitting the ground over and over again. There's been some are bad throws, some are drops. Um, and I think those things build on themselves a little bit. But you you just ha- you haven't seen that the dominant stretches that you hope this offense is going to have. It just and these things take time. It is this is not me sounding an alarm. Um, this is me telling you what happened. I think people get bent out of shape when we report what happened at practice. This is not somebody saying that things are doomed. Uh, this is pointing out this is where it's at right now. Long way to go till we get to September 12th, okay? It's just turned August, all right? Long way to go. But for now, that's where things have started, and I think that's good in a lot of ways. Like They need this defense to look different this year, and early on, it does. And it was it, – it, you don't want to take anything away from the defense, but, but, you know, Joe Burrow did look labored on Friday and, um, you know, not, not that the knee was bothering him or anything like that, but it just looked like the fatigue of the first week of, of camp had, had, had caught up to him a little bit. And Zach gave him Saturday morning off from the walkthrough. He didn't do anything and he looked refreshed. And so now it's going to be really interesting to see after a complete day off yesterday and, 
knowing who Joe Burrow and how competitive he is and, and how all the talk has been about the defense. It's, it's really going to be interesting to watch practice today and, and see if, if Burrow and the offense and, as a whole has an answer for, for what the defense has been able to do to him so far. All right, let's take a second and switch gears here and hear from a sponsor. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's talk about a few different elements of Burrow here through the first week. Um, one, we'll start with the deep ball, which is such a storyline um, as they work to improve it and figure out what it is again. And I, I'm just going to have to repeat myself. Like, I'm just going to have to be the monkey with the symbols here. This is not me sounding an alarm, people. This is just telling, talking about what's happening on a very important storyline for this team. Um, we're going to keep documenting this throughout camp. Whenever whenever one hits, whenever one misses, whenever uh, they're trying something new, whatever it is, we want to be documenting it because it's the one thing that they needed to improve with their offense dramatically, and they brought Jamar Chase in to do it. Those have not really, for the most part, hit. I mean, they have – It's they now they're not running them a lot. There's only been – I mean, Burrow to Chase has happened really on deep balls – what three or four times mm-hmm. um you know we saw a stone cold drop from jamar um on a deep post on i think it was thursday and i mean it was he had gotten two to three steps behind chidobe Uze and burrow dropped a dime on the deep post that would have been the highlight of camp and it was just a straight just just drop and um and then they had another one where he again Chase gets behind Chido Bay um, by another two to three yards down the sideline, and Burrow underthrows it. Chase has to come back to the ball and can't make the play. Nice play by Chido Bay to come back and make the play. These things happen. They're figuring it out. Um, they they want to hit all those, but you know some of the early returns um, were were you know incompletions for with each guy kind of being at fault. Well, the the that threesome that you just mentioned hooked up on what might have been the most memorable play for on Saturday was it was a deep out and I was watching from the press box so you kind of see it developing and and Burrow lets the ball go way before Chase comes out of his break and it looks like it's a miscommunication and Chase goes into his break with a Wuzier in coverage and 
Burrow, the ball just drops right in his hands, right along the sideline. It was one of those, when you talk about that connection that those guys had at LSU picking right, that was it. It was, he had all the faith in the world that, that he was going to be where, that Chase was going to be where he needed to be. And he put the ball there and he was, and they made it. And it was that that was the play that really stood out to me from Saturday's practice. I saw a video of that play kind of going through some of the, the highlights and you know what it kind of reminded me of to less of an extent was the play against Tennessee where he throws it behind Tyler Boyd over the middle Mm -hmm. um, where Boyd's running the other way and going to pull out of a, of a route and Burrow just throws it behind him knowing that's where Boyd's going to try to pull out to. And it, he Boyd turns around and the ball basically hits him in the hands, in the face. That is the type of chemistry that took weeks months into the season to develop that level of stuff. And that's just the case. I mean, it's the case with anybody to have that on the fourth day of camp um, is such an advantage when you're talking about a rookie receiver adjusting. And and that's going to take more time to continue to develop. But the fact that you have stuff like that in your back pocket, I mean, did we see that with AJ green all year last year? Mm Mm-hmm. That type of connection and anticipation and throwing to, I mean, that's that's not me taking a shot at AJ Green. That's about they just then that that never clicked like that last year, um, and to have that going on with Chase already, I do think is good. And I will point out on the what what we discussed with the deep balls earlier, even though they didn't complete, the common thread on the both of them was Jamar Chase blew himself wide open. Yeah. And keep that in mind. Um, and, you know, Chidobe is a real NFL corner. This is not going against, um, you know, third team, whatever. This is, you know, real NFL corner here, who otherwise we've talked a lot about how good they've been covering that's still there. Those will connect. That you continue to. He's Jamar will catch them. Joe will throw dimes. Those will be big plays. I focus. I tend to focus more on the fact of how open he got himself when we've watched these deep balls, almost more so than the fact that they didn't end up connecting. And Zach did talk about that on Saturday too, before practices. How this week w- they will start running some more of that. It's it's you you don't want to run them into the ground. Um, you know, through camp, period. But especially the first week, there you really have to be worried. And they saw it with T. Higgins last year—a soft tissue injury early in camp, a hamstring injury. You, you really want to let these guys ramp up and not stretch them out too much. And uh, this week, with the pads on and with a, a week of practice behind them, I do think we're going to start seeing a little bit more of those nines where they just they just air it out and and see if they can can get that connection going and, and get Joe Burrow's touch right on right where it needs to be to complete some of those yeah and it'll be it'll be really fun to watch we'll continue to track all of that for you something i mentioned earlier that kind of fits in this um before we talk a little bit more about the trenches and that is you know t higgins and much has been made and we talked a little bit about you know his body composition and how seriously he took this off season and, and how great he looks i mean it's kind of been a a real off-season storyline because it's been so obvious. Um, you know, it's it, it had not really struck me about us not talking to some of these young guys in person before until T rolled up because we've been on Zooms for a year and whatever, 
year and a half. And so for that rookie class, Burrow, Higgins, all those guys, any of the free agents, we've not stood eye to eye with them next to them. We haven't. Like, we have not been on the same level. Um, And so you just see them on TV, and then the guy rolls in, you're like, God damn. Like, (laughs) (laughs) you are big, thick, ripped, tall. Like, it's, and and it's a stupid thing to say because you know, you've seen him play, you know his dimensions, you know how he compares, but it's an eye thing. It's just an eye pop thing when you, when you, actually finally get to see these guys in person of the difference and 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 he, he has really I really love the rocky image of him basically of him writing 908 on his mirror and staring at it every day <laughs> like <laughs> the number of yards he had last year now he's uh dedicated to clearing that and 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 not letting that be the number for this year I mean he's a he's a pretty driven dude man and when I'm looking at sophomore jumps i'm almost always looking at positions like receiver and i'm always looking at people that really dedicated themselves to making the most of their offseason and that's two big boxes checked when it comes to t i mean it was when he left that press conference whatever day that was was that wednesday or thursday it was a noticeable murmur it wasn't just you it was every single media member going man i didn't know he was that tall I didn't know he was that yeah. big. It's just, it, it, it's so striking when you see him in person. And, uh, T had another, maybe that might, the, the second play that stood out the most because it was, we, we talked about how bad the, the Bengals were in the red zone on Friday and how Joe Burrow takes that kind of stuff personally and comes back. But the first play of red zone on Saturday, it looked like it was going to be a fade to chase. They, the, the defense was given impressed coverage off to the left and, you know, Chase starts off on his route and breaks to the inside. T was on the right side and just kind of came all the way across the end zone and burrow through a perfect ball. And and that being said, it was still a tough catch because there was tight coverage and, and Higgins made the catch. It looked like he got both feet down right at the pylon, the back left corner. Every offensive player is throwing his hands up in the air for touchdown. All the defensive players were signaling incompletion. No no real will, way to know unless the, the Bengals have good film of it, whether he got the feet down. But it was it was one of those plays that that, that stood out and, and really show what that height and size can do um, if, if Burrow can be that accurate and put it on his hands where only he can get it. And that those were some of the things. It wasn't all Burrow last year on, on missing those deep balls. There were, there were some ones he put up that he just failed to come down with. And I talked to Troy Walters about this um, last week, and he said he left three or 400 yards on the field. But just deep balls like that that he did not come down with. And he doesn't think that's going to be as much of an issue this year just because of the way that, number one, a year older, uh, a little more experienced on not showing his hands so early, but being so much bigger and stronger and faster. With lose, he, he didn't necessarily lose weight. He just he, he got down a little bit and, and got rid of the fat and made it muscle. There's just... There's so much potential there. Any any receiver, any rookie receiver would probably look at 908 and be thrilled with it. And he's staring at it every day saying it wasn't good enough. It's just it's it's going to be fun to watch him this year. 
Yeah, really, really motivated guy um, in that respect. So, we'll, we'll, you know, I think I think we know what that's going to look like. Assuming he can, assuming these receivers can stay healthy, I think despite all we've talked about the defense winning and some of the issues or whatever of early in camp, I think that has lived up. To, I think those guys have have looked the part for the and and lived up to it. And your those three are still going to be the engine of this team and they are not backing away from the three 1000 yard season stuff. Like they're all, I mean, there is an ownership of that. I mean, Jamar on Saturday, basically like, I don't need to talk about it. It's in the air. Like everybody knows that that's what we all want. And we all view that this is going to be three guys with thousand yards. And Jay, you've documented how rare that is and how hard that is to actually do and what real distribution should look like. But, um, they have not shied away from it. That's great, man. Like you should. Now I'll say this. I've heard Tyler Boyd say many very confident things over the course of my career. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I've been there for all of them for him. Uh, and he's guaranteed me winning seasons. He's guaranteed me certain yardages. He Tyler Boyd will dare guarantee you whatever you want. Like as long as it makes him look good, he is the most one of the most confident, fun people to talk to because he just like sees he sees that glass half full. He he see he doesn't see it half full. He sees it someone that you've never seen before showing up and overflowing the glass, and you didn't even know it was coming. Like that's how Boyd sees it, and. Uh, so I love this. So I'm not stunned to hear him like, yeah, thousand yards for all of us, right? Like, I'm surprised he stopped there. I'm surprised it wasn't fifteen hundred. But so that that but that stuff rubs off and that's good. And Joe Mixon's the same way. We haven't still we, we haven't talked to him yet at some point. Uh hopefully we will. But you know, there's that's all kind of the juice that those guys bring. And I think when they do start winning, when slash if they do start winning, those are the types of guys that make it grow and snowball and make that confidence really turn into something tangible and not just words because they, they bring that and, and uh, you know, those guys will, can be what really can make it go for sure. It is a lofty goal. I mean, it's easy to say, yeah, we all want to get a thousand yards. Uh, it's only happened five times and it hasn't happened since 2008. So, and that was, that was Kurt Warner, a Hall of Fame quarterback. Before that, it was 2004, the Colts, Peyton Manning, Hall of Fame quarterback. First time it ever happened, 1980 Chargers, Dan Fouts. Hall of Fame quarterback. It, it's saying something to have three receivers with a thousand yards. And, and the thing is, yeah, you would expect them to say that's our goal. We think we can do it. It doesn't seem that far fetched. It, it, it's, it's hard. It, 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 you need, everybody has to stay healthy. Number one, but it, it's, it's almost crazy to think that it is a real possibility with, with a rookie, a second year guy, and then a, a slot receiver. Um, but it, I wouldn't bet against it. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, I mean, well, depending on what odds you're giving me, I bet for well, it. Uh, <laughs> I mean, they're going to throw it. Uh, one thing, though, about that, one of the more low-key, interesting things heard this past week was, and Brian Callahan just sort of slipped it into one of his um, answers, was we threw the ball a lot more than we wanted to mm-hmm. last year. And, you know, that was part was conscious decision. 
because they were averaging they were so bad actually running the ball efficiently you know if if you if you can throw the quick out and get four or five yards because Burrow is so good at that finding the right guy and getting it out fast that and you're running it at 3.2 per carry what are you going to do to try to keep yourself on on track that was part of it and part of it was they were playing from behind a lot and so you end up with so many throws you know i go back to that week two game in cleveland you're playing from behind the whole time. You're constantly throw it. Burrow's taking all these hits because you're forced to play. You do. You cannot play that way. You can't do that with Joe again this year, and they know that. And that's why Frank Pollock and the run game and Joe Mixon is so important. That's not what they want it to look like. And I think that is really just music to the ears of a lot of Bengals fans because they really get nervous about this being a pass-happy offensive scheme. Not that they don't want Burrow to throw it a ton, but they nobody wants to see it turn into 650 attempts. That's not, that's not their recipe for success. Um, it's what you do if you feel like you have to. Okay, but that means there's a lot going wrong elsewhere if that's the case. And I, they don't want it to look like that. And I think them reassuring that sort of reassurance there um, was good to hear because we haven't heard a lot about that. All we've heard about is how great Burrow was and how he can do whatever and he would throw it more if he could and all that. I mean, I, I think the idea of they understand the failures of the running game and the ripple effect that it had last year. Should go a long way to, you know, understanding a little bit more what this offense will look like. And maybe it won't, maybe getting a thousand yards a piece will be harder because there won't be the attempts there were last year where you had three guys over a hundred targets and all that stuff. Yeah, I should have looked up when I looked up those those three receivers with a thousand yards, what what the leading rusher had for those teams. Yeah. Because <laughs> that would that would be interesting to see if, you know, it was four or five hundred yards, were were they just totally pass happy or or did they have did they have a back that got up around a thousand as well, which would seem impossible, especially in some of those earlier years when it, the league was a little bit different. But I do, I mean, you wonder what it would have looked like had Mixon stayed healthy. You know, would they have gotten more efficient in the run game? Would it would it have started to come together? It looked like that Indianapolis game when when Joe got hurt, everything was starting to click a little bit, and then that injury just totally set them back. They they never found a running game after that, and. Yes, Cleveland was week two when they threw it all over the place. So it, it wasn't like all those. There was a switch when Joe got hurt, but it just that that just kind of added to the urgency of you, the only chance you have is to throw the ball. And we saw them. I mean, they they beat the Titans, a, a playoff team, doing that. And you know, later after Joe went out, they beat the Steelers, a, a playoff team, doing that. There it. They they did make it work, but it is it is not ideal. And if you if you trust the run game more, you can run Joe early in games. And if you can get leads, you can run him later in games and really kind of balance out that 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 run pass dichotomy. Um. So speaking of with that, I mean, Jay, how much are you buying everything that's being sold to us with this offensive line and Frank Pollock and? We've talked now this week. We've talked to Trey Hopkins. We we've talked to Xavier Suofilo. We've talked to Jonah Williams, and we can discuss his some of the things that he said as well. And we've talked, you know, we you talked to Pollock, and and I mean, you want to believe in it, 
you want to like it all makes sense you hear it's it's all very believable um what is being sold about how Frank Pollock and a new coach and and some of the changes they've made can can be the difference and and make people forget how bad the offensive line has been the last few years how much are you buying and how much are you still i don't know questioning um, I think you have to question it some and, until they prove it, but I, I am, I am optimistic that, that what they are saying is true. I, I can't remember if it was Trey or Jonah who, I mean, uh, the, the big thing last week was all those and Xavier Suofila talked to or Xavier, which I know that's not how the school is pronounced, but that is technically how his name is pronounced that they all talked about how big it is that Frank played the game. And I've had, I remember going back to a story. I talked to Jim Anderson, the, the longtime Bengals running backs coach when, when he got, he was the, the first um, black assistant coach. And I, I talked to him about that whole journey, the, the first black for the assistant coach for the Bengals. And I talked to him about the, the, the any pushback he got when he got here because he had, ne- he was a college coach. He never played in the NFL. He'd never coached in the NFL. And he said that, that all players care about is, can you make them better? If, if if you played in the league, that gives you a little more clout to begin with, but it comes down to, can you make them better? And there was so much talk about how much the, the, the guys on this offensive line respect the fact that, that Frank played. And it was, it was either Trey or Jonah that said where that comes into play is he knows what they can and can't do. And there, there were times in the past where Jim Turner, or maybe it was other coaches they had in college or wherever, where he says, you, you put it on paper and you say, okay, you're going to do this. And if the defense does that, you're going to do that. And, and guys are thinking, you know, is that even really feasible? Can we do that? And, and Frank knows what the limitations of the position are. And, and he can, he can devise a, a scheme that, that, that doesn't ask too much of these guys. And then it's, it's just the, the other stuff too, where just drilling it over and over and over again. And, and he has the mantra that's, I think a lot of coaches do that they want to make practice so hard that the games seem easy, but it, it, it's something that this line is buying into. I don't think it's lip service at all. You, you would be hard pressed to find any group of offensive linemen that were going to, you know, criticize or, a coach this early in camp, but I don't think this is lip service. I think these guys are are really and truly bought in and excited about what Frank brings. And I, yeah, maybe there it's not a group of all pros, but it, it doesn't have to be. It, it just they just have to be good, not great. And and it feels like Frank has been around this league long enough. He he's he's coached under some some great offensive line coaches. He's coached some great offensive linemen. He knows what it takes. And I, I think you, you almost have to have faith in, in the process at this point. Yeah, I, I think you do. I, you know, you wouldn't have players criticizing a coach early in camp or really not, yeah, yeah. you know, not even a lot, but you wouldn't necessarily have them repeatedly ringing his praises. You know, you can answer a question to move on or not bring it up. Most of the times it's been brought up of their own volition. I mean, this has not been something that they've, while they've been asked about it, a lot of it is them offering a lot more stuff. I think there's a renewed energy 
Um, I think we knew that would be the case. Almost no matter who else you brought in here, you know, we've doc- long documented we don't need to go back down the path of how things just didn't work out with Jim Turner. But that wears on people, especially guys that have to do the rigorous work that offensive linemen do. And I think there's a renewed energy and hope there that this is going to work well. And mix and loving Pollock in the run game is only going to help that more. Um, so I, I would say, like like most Bengals fans, with almost everything, it's cautious optimism. But the one thing I do when you look across the line that stands out to me now, and I did it when I was poking around on the Jackson Carmen nugget last week, was 134 starts combined between Xavier Suofilo and Quentin Spain. And Trey Hopkins is a, a vet um, with a ton of time in this league. Riley Reef with a ton of time in this league. Jonah Williams now, you trust. A top, you know, a number 11 overall pick entering his second full season. Really feels like he set the foundation, and you'll really see who he is this year. Last year, he was a rookie still figuring it out, still battling injuries. Now he's got that, and he feels like he's ready to go. To me, that created what we long said they needed stability reliability knowing what they are and not (laughs) liabilities and questions and hope hope is not a plan i don't think they have hope right now i think they have a bunch of guys that we kind of know what they are they're pretty reliable we know their level I I know Quentin Spain's level. I know Xavier Suofilo's level. I know Trey Hopkins' level. I know Riley Reef's level. I think we don't know Jonah Williams' level, but we know what the the floor is. It can go higher than what that is. That's what they wanted. They wanted a floor, <laughs> not a hole in the floor, not a money pit. And they've had holes in the floor for years now. I think we know what they are. And they, like you said, they may not be great. And they don't have to be. No donkeys, again. So, But I think you feel like you have that with the hope of some people behind them and some depth behind them where you might not have holes as well. Um, it's not perfect. I mean, injuries could put them into a real bad place and, we'll be, and we wouldn't sound anything like this. But when you feel like you have reliability and you do feel like you have a coach that might be getting more out of that reliability and everybody seems to be on board with that, that cautious optimism is warranted. And I, so I will give them that. Maybe I'm early camp buying what everyone's selling in the time of hope, but I, I do feel that a little bit. Yeah. The, the one thing I'm really interested in watching is as far as the line goes this week, when the pads go on is the right side, because you know, when, when, when plays have been blown up, whether running plays or pressure coming off the edge, it's usually on that right side. And, you know, Riley Reef is, he's a 10 year veteran. He's it. I can't, I think it was who, who had the line that you just don't go to. Was it Jim Turner? You just don't go to, to Walmart and get an offensive tackle. They oh, are no, that hard. That was, uh, that was your, uh, <laughs> that was Troy Blackburn. Oh, that's right. It was Troy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You but, wish it was Jim Turner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, they are, they are hard to find in Minnesota. Let him go. Um, so you wonder being this far into his career, what, what he's going to look like. Like you said, you know, his level, uh, you hope he can hold it up. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to bang him too early in practice and that the pads haven't even gone on. I didn't put him on the fallers, but it, it has been noticeable that 
the right side of the line has has been the issue almost solely when, when things break down and that that's going to be something to watch when when the pads go on this week with with Xavier Suofilo and 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 Riley Reef. Um let's touch on Jonah Williams real quick. Um so Jonah chatted with us um this week this past week I don't remember the exact Friday. I think it was Thursday. Yeah, it's all blurred together. <laughs> uh, but and, and an interesting thing with Jonah and that is okay I'm going to put on 10 pounds. So he, he played at 305 last year. He's at 315. I think he anticipates playing at 315. You know, it, it was a conversation with Frank Pollock at the beginning of OTAs where he encouraged him to put on that weight. And to me, it, the question I had and that I, I liked Frank's answer to was, okay, of course, like you have a tackle who's 305, why wouldn't you want some guys to be stronger and put on more weight? You say that all the time, but who would you not say that to, right? Like, why wouldn't you? Because you worry about it making guys slower, making guys can't now can't get out there to that edge. The thing about Jonah is you just don't worry about that. That's what he, he has such quick feet, such good athleticism, you know, the anchor against the bull or whatever has been the one knock, right? Is he going to be strong and powerful enough? And that's Frank Pollock said, put on 10 pounds of muscle, man, because you are not going to be, that's not going to make you slow. You are too, too athletic. You have plenty of athleticism still get out there. And Jonah said, look, I, I can handle the bull at three Oh five, but my technique had to be perfect. There was no margin for error. at three fifteen, you add some percentage points, in the margin for air category, you can, you can, you know, physical people sometimes. And he does look different. He looks thicker. He looks bigger. He looks stronger the same way he did a little bit from his first year off, you know, his injury to the second year, you saw some improvements and now another one. I mean, the guy, he takes it really seriously. Um, he's made of all the right stuff. I think he's trying to work his game. And I'm really curious to see if even to a small degree, that feeling of being stronger pays off just in te- in his ability to stop people and confidence in stopping people. And just experience, being in the yeah. league for a number of years and being healthy and just it, everything feels like it's coming together for him. And that and you talk about it all the times, all the time with rookies, that third year is when you really – it's the make or break year. It's not like they're thinking about moving on from Jonah, but that that's the year where you, you really kind of set that foundation for the next contract and for your whole future. And he does. He, he, he looks – stronger he looks better again no pads but that that's that's not the entirety of his game it is that his his speed and it, it his agility and he just it, it's it's gonna be a, a big big factor this year uh what he can do out there on on the left side and you go back i mean it's like putting jonah williams putting on 10 pounds of muscle is i don't even know how to compare it it, it it's like for us going to going to Arby's, it's just something you do. He's <laughs> it's just he's, something you do. He, 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 I mean, his workout stories were legendary when he got drafted about how his school wasn't open or he couldn't get a ride to school, so he ride his bike so he could get to the the weight room. And he ended up just building his own weight room in his basement so that he didn't have to do that. He is a guy that is committed to to lifting weights and getting stronger and. um the, the idea of putting on 10 pounds of muscle 
for a normal person might seem like a a major undertaking and for him it was just you know ramp up your workout a little bit and and here you are it's what you do (laughs) (laughs) uh yeah so look looking forward you know that's another another element of the offensive line thing so maybe that was too much optimism but hey it's august 2nd people all right um what else do you got to drink but other than the cooler all right let's just take a quick break Defensive line will be really interesting to watch as we start to see some of these. We have not been able to really see. You've got Cam Sample and Larry Ogunjobi over on the side. Um, Ogunjobi being on the side is good. He seems, you know, it's uh, if he had really ripped his hamstring up or whatever, you would be, uh, um, con- you would not see him over there. He's been over there going through stuff or whatever. So I think there's some. Um, Positive vibes on that one a little bit as, as we go through camp. But not having Ogan Joby and Cam Sample still kind of working some stuff out over there on the side. Um, you're not going to get to see as much of them. But Kareem, who you mentioned, who uh, Khalid Kareem, a real most improved player type candidate. And uh, and Joseph Osai, I think everybody's really interested to see you know, how they use him. We talked to Mike Daniels this week, and I mean – I assume he's going to go into some career in broadcasting after he's done. Like, I mean, he certainly uh, plays the part, big energy, big excitement, fun things to say, you know, fun, interesting guy. Uh, But, you know, I I don't know how much I'll buy Mike Daniels suddenly becoming a pressure, uh, a pressure creator, but he seems to certainly think that he can. And, and he kind of blames a lot of the lack of pressure he was able to get being a opportunity, which is, which is partially true. He didn't have a ton of opportunity last year. Uh, but also on, you know, he's just fighting injuries and didn't, didn't really feel like he could really fully play like himself at almost any point last year. Um, so he's hopeful that he can help fill that void. I think you're going to see a lot of that five, two, three, four hybrid thing with Hubbard and Hendrickson standing up. I mean, I think there'll be multiple in ability to do both, but I think with some of the big bodies they feel like they have on first down, you could put a, you know, a reader and a Daniels um, and Ogan Joby up front or really go big. You switch Shelvin in there every once in a while, give him a roll Tupo. I mean, they have so many of those big boys and then, these edge rushers, it makes almost does make more sense for them to really just create that wall up the middle. So I think you'll see more of that. We've seen a lot of that thus far in camp. Plenty of time will tell, but um, really, as we said in the beginning of this, things get interesting for them now this week, and there'll be a lot of uh, people worth watching. Yeah, Kareem is he he has been standing out for all of camp. That's why I had him as, as one of my risers, but then he really took advantage Saturday. Trey Hendrickson got the day off. Um, he had it, the second play of red zone. He got in, it would have been a sack on burrow. He got in there with the pressure. They ran a jet sweep with, with Jamar chase and, and cream was in the backfield and just totally blew it up. I mean, he run and pass he's, he's getting the job done. And he, you know, it's a, a another guy. We talk about it all the time, but a guy that was, was started camp last year, dinged and just never really got up to speed and, and could show what he did. And he, yeah, he played the whole season, but it was in a limited role. I think it was 24% of the snaps. Um, it, I, I think we can see a, a pretty big jump from him this year. They were thrilled to get him last year in the fifth round. Um, and, you know, maybe, maybe some of that pays off this year. 
it, with the Mike Daniels thing too, you mentioned A and B opportunity and, and B injuries. C was, I mean, nobody was good because nobody was good. They, they didn't have guys to play off of. And now you've got more pieces there. You, you're putting more stress on the offensive line and it, it's going to create openings everywhere for it just takes one guy to break through. So I, I think there's, again, it's maybe it sounds like Kool Aid drinking, but it, it does feel like the, the D line as well as the O line are trending in the right direction. Jay, after this podcast, there's going to be a rash of Bengals fans running to betmgm.com to put money on them winning 12 games. I want 5%. <laughs> I, I do not. Look, I, this has come off as a very optimistic podcast, uh, and you know it's not in our nature, uh, but that's been part of it. I, one, the other part of the optimism is going to be we do need to talk about the kicker battle real quick, which you have a story mm-hmm. up on um, on – Austin Seibert and Evan McPherson have been like, it's been like watching Justin Tucker go head to head with Matt Prater at the pro bowl or something. <laughs> I mean, these guys are just not missing. Uh, you've got one miss from McPherson, uh, 15 of 16 with that being from 60 on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um, and he had plenty of distance and then Seibert with a, uh, two misses, uh, one from 16, another from 45 on his first day. But I mean, they have, Put at the end of every practice, they've put him out there. It was you know, six for McPherson. Then the next day, it's six for Cybert. And then they both went and both did four. And they, you know, they're not they're knocking them all through. Uh, it's been a really impressive performance by both guys to start. It's the sort of uh, all eyes on you moments at the end of practice, and they've lived up to particularly encouraging for McPherson, who, um, you know, if he con- if he continues to do anything remotely like this, will win this job. Yeah, one of the most interesting, I talked to Darren Simmons about it and he was, he, you know, obviously performance is, is the bottom line, but he is really paying attention to what happens in these preseason games and not even so much in the preseason games in the warm up period leading up to the preseason games. He, he, he's been doing this since. Well, he's been with the Bengals since 2003. He's been in the league longer than that. He he knows how to read guys. He doesn't need to put a cuff on their arm to see if their blood pressure is elevated to see if they're a little what he called it fritzy. And if if Evan McPherson can handle that part of it and and handle the the pressure of playing in games, and there's no reason to think he won't. But that's going to be a big part of it. And then it comes down to obviously making the kicks. It wasn't, you know. When Randy Bullock beat out Jake Elliott, he he outkicked him in practice. He outkicked him in the games too. He you know Elliott had misses from beyond fifty and from forty to four. I think he had two misses from forty to forty nine. And there was just that little bit of hesitation where Randy Bullock was further along in his career than Austin Seibert is. And you know I, I think it's going to take a real collapse by Evan McPherson to to lose this job or a total collapse by Seibert and and. Cybert's not going to let that happen. He's going to make try to make this a hard decision. And it you you know you were with me when we talked to those guys after practice. They they are. They just seem like best buds from from a long time and um I think that helps in the fact that they are doing so well in camp that they're supporting each other. They're giving each other tips. It's it's there's not that that tension there um where you know this is my enemy and I have to outperform him. It's like they're they're just going out and doing their job and um, it's, it's, it's been fun to watch cause you're, you're waiting for someone to kind of screw up and it hasn't happened yet. But I, I do think that, 
you know, unless Evan McPherson botches a few kicks in in preseason games, he's going to win it no matter how well Austin Seibert performs this summer. Yeah, I, I mean, I would I would agree with that. Um, and all that matters for them is that they kick good because if you kick good, you're going to end up on somebody's team. Yeah. yeah We've already seen changes in the league. You know, right. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Across the league, anybody's searching. If you go out there, if Austin Seibert goes out there, and people know because we put it out there how well he kicked in practice, and he you know doesn't miss a kick or misses one or two kicks in the preseason, and that's it, and makes a ton, he'll get a job. Mm-hmm. He's a four, he's a fifth round pick from a couple years ago, yeah. um, and, and so you're you're talking about guys that te- teams would love to pick up if if they show well, and they both know that, and I think that's part of it. Sure, it's a competition, but really they're just trying to be in the top thirty two. And and that's what really matters. No, not in the fact that you have two of them here. Um, so yeah, we're we're back at it this week. We'll continue to be bringing you, uh, you know, as much of the information that we have and and these conversations we have. You mentioned us, you know, talking to McPherson and Cybert after practice, and we've been able to talk to some of the coaches. Uh, I do want to shout out. We're we're getting this thing figured out. Bengals, uh, the Bengals and and the Bengals PR staff are working to try to make. We I know we were. I, th- I think I was just in a hot and in a bad place on Thursday, <laughs> but uh, it, you know it's it's it takes some time. Early, everyone's adjusting to these new rules, and it was, you know, it was an inauspicious start, certainly, as we tried to get things figured out. I do think we're kind of starting to find um, the rhythm and the comfort zone to try to make all sides happy and uh, work within these new rules. But, you know, the league is being, the league has got their grips on it, man, and they're, they're trying to keep it super tight, and everyone's trying to figure out how it works. And the Bengals are being very, very conservative because they, really don't want to see anything happen to any of their players because they were easy with the media letting them be too close or unmasked or all that stuff and so um they're we're working on it and we're finding ways to get some of the stories that you need and and they're finding ways to help us out with that as an organization and so um we're on the up and up there i think things are headed in the right direction so um thank you certainly to everybody that's trying to find answers where it's tough to find them right now I mean, you've seen them already pivot a number of times to to make things better. The first day, our setup for the press conferences was just kind of loosey-goosey, and a couple of us were too close to Joe Burrow. They come back the next day and have a totally different setup with bike racks to make sure we don't get too close. Uh, my interview with Troy Walters uh, for the T. Higgins story, I set off his tracker. It turns out that they, they monitored these things. We were just a little too close. The next day, you come out, and they have lines painted on the field where – the player or the coach stands behind this line. We stand behind this line. They they are they are working as hard as they can to to try to give us the access we want um, and, and not just shutting us down. And it's important. Look around the league. Look how many guys are already on the COVID list, mm-hmm. and the Bengals don't have one yet. And so it, part of that is. So many of them are vaccinated, but part of it is the Bengals being very careful. And I do think that the Bengals media relations is, is, is striking a good balance between trying to give us the access we need and, and trying to keep the, the league happy and the players and the coaches safe. Bengals with a minuscule number of people without a shot at this point. I mean, a yeah. tiny percentage. They're up in the 90% um, with a shot that will be fully vaccinated. 
soon for those that maybe got it right before camp or what have you. So they're in a very good place when it comes to that. But yeah, you mentioned, I mean, I think Washington football team has like six or seven guys on their COVID list and the Colts have had all kinds of uh, problems over there with not having enough. And, and, you know, you talked about, it's like we talk about competitive advantages and we mentioned last week, you know, weight room and in-person meetings. How about having your players available to you? You know, also yeah. a big part of it as, as Delta variant sort of sweeps through everything is, you know, you, you remember how many teams had to play shorthanded in different spots, you know, Broncos quarterback room, right? I mean, you, you, we saw that all year last year, teams, teams that have a lot of players that aren't, vaccinated are going to have problems getting everybody onto the field all the time. They're going to have weeks where they're playing shorthanded because of it. It's just going to become another injury. Um, and some teams that have more players um, vaccinated are going to have less issues with it. And the Bengals are one of those having less issues with it to this point. And uh, that's a testament to how well they've done of, of getting all uh, so many of their players vaccinated. And maybe most important, all Vikings week one opponent, three of their four quarterbacks are on the COVID list right now. That is, yeah. That's going to put them behind a week to, I mean, I think it's five days minimum before these guys can come back. And Mike Zimmer, not happy about it at all because none of those quarterbacks that are on the COVID list got vaccinated. Um, it is, it's, it's big. And I thought it was interesting. I asked Logan Wilson about this on, on Saturday about what the structure was like. Cause last year they had, they had all these separate locker rooms to try to keep everybody separated. And there was a couple of stalls between and, and this year it's basically the vaccinated locker room and the unvaccinated locker room. And we talk about the, the, the restrictions, you know, wearing masks and not being able to go out on, on uh, road trips and stuff. I mean, that's, that's a, a big thing. I think you, you as much as Joe Mixon is a man of the people in that locker room, if he has to stay cooped up in his own quarantine locker room all year, it's they're, they're trying to put the pressure on these guys to get it to a hundred percent. But it, it, Logan Wilson did say that everybody is there's no space between lockers anymore. They've got the metal ones in the middle. They've just got all the it's it's almost back to normal except for the the minuscule number of unvaccinated guys that are off in their own locker room somewhere. I don't know anything if you do, but I do not know if Joe Mixon is vaccinated or not vaccinated. Well, that's true. I he, I mean, he has been very. Um, he has been. Yeah, he has publicly. Yes. Of course, DJ Reader said a lot of things too. And the first thing yeah. he says, "Look, I'm fully vaccinated. I'm just pro-choice. I, I want to make sure that I, I I do not know that um, either either way at this point. Um, we haven't had a chance to talk to him or for him to address it if he wants to. But yeah, he has been fairly public um, <laughs> in his in his criticism of of you know those that are unvaccinated and what they have to go through, um, which is which is totally fine. Um, but. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know either way. Um, yeah, that was a poor assumption on my part, just based yeah, on no, his it's, tweets. It's and, all good. I just, I just want to make sure we're not saying that, but it's right. you know he is one who has been very public. Um, all right, well that'll wrap us up. Again, we're going to be back to you two episodes a week as we're going through camp. So we're gonna, uh, they're gonna have uh, these three day bursts. Uh, is kind of how the it's going to go. It's sort of an in-season feel where they practice three three days, and then you kind of have some soft days, off days in there. And then we're basically I – mean, we're a week from Saturday. We're talking about the preseason opener against Tampa Bay. So we're in it. But big week for the Bengals. Is, I mean, this is really as hard as they'll go all year because um, you don't have the game this week. The pads come on for the first time. A lot to learn, a lot to glean this week. So when we come to you on Thursday, we'll have a lot to go over uh, as what goes down this week with the pads on for the first time. And, of course, 
Make sure you go on theathletic.com. Uh, all of our stories on there. Click on the links if you're not a subscriber. Seriously, 50% off deal happening now. Season is starting. We're going to be killing it with great stuff all year. Um, not just from us, but from national people, insiders across every single team. Our fantasy team is loaded. Our gambling team is loaded uh, with all the edges that you want to have there. Um, you know, plus C. Trent just destroying the Reds beat. Same with Justin Williams on UC, who's going to be super fun this year. Um, and that's just locally. Um, so a- anyway, highly recommend it. If you get a chance, now is the time to do it. 50% off. Go to theathletic.com. Uh, click on any of our stories, and and you can subscribe at the links there. Um or you can go to here to podcast growling as well uh, on the athletic page and you can subscribe uh, to the podcast spot if you want to. Uh, all right. Thanks everybody for listening and we will talk to you next time. Have a good one, everybody.